the Guardians spring training game is going to be played this weekend. So I think we can safely say the offseason is over. So let's talk about what we're looking for in spring training and a crossover. Oh, yeah. It's a Locked On Godcast. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show today. Uh, as you can see, it is a, a three-way uh, episode, and we have TJ joining us from the Selby's God cast, you know, probably the, I would say pretty safely, one could say the preeminent uh, Cleveland Guardians podcast. So we want to first take a moment and then uh, thank him for joining us. And uh, I very quickly before we dive in, I do have to say today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $150 of bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown to get started. But uh, I think I was telling people or I was telling TJ before I, he was one of the uh, people who first put me on the radio uh, back in the days. So I, I have always appreciated him for that. It was a very what kind was I moment. Thinking? I don't what know. Was it I was thinking. <laughs> I, I, and the weird thing is I can remember. It was like, I, I don't even remember what the Guardians slash Indians did, but I remember the Tigers added uh, Jacoby Jones. Like that was <laughs> that deadline. <laughs> and I can remember that, but I don't even remember what Cleveland did. Uh must not have been very exciting, but uh, yeah. It no, seems uh, like most Cleveland deadlines. You remember the few <laughs> where they were doing things like bringing in an Andrew Miller or waiting on a certain catcher to not veto the trade. But there were a couple more that we'd like to forget. That's probably why I had you on, because everyone wanted to forget that deadline, but I wanted to hammer it home. You guys like, didn't talk about Brent Lillibridge? Really? Oh. <laughs> I I think my favorite deadline was the time I was at Double Eight. I'm sure I've mentioned this before on the show. And Nick Swisher was doing rehab, uh, and it was the David Murphy trade. And like, I mean, it makes me sound like a terrible person, but it's just like, you know, he's like, there was a trade, and we we broke it to him, and he just looks so sad. <laughs> like, it, I just, it was that moment of like, wait, oh, and I was like, I don't, like I said, I know most people say it was a shtick. He was always very nice and double A. That's not always the case with people, but that's that is my most memorable deadline is is breaking. A trade to Nick Swisher and him thinking David Murphy was going to have him this massive, massive piece. I'm like Eric Stamets, and he's like, uh, I mean, Stamets, and he's like, who? <laughs> Swisher was the king of. I, mean, I did not have a well. One of the, the the more unpleasant interactions I ever had was with Nick Swisher, but he also managed to find find a way to build up players that. You would think he, they would, he'd have no business building them up. I'm trying. There was a a random outfielder that was in for for half of a maybe even a couple of months, and he kept saying, "This guy's got light tower power." He's also 28 and has been in 17 different organizations. Nick, <laughs> like, I hope that if at some point someone would have unlocked that light tower power by now, but you go off, man. You you, you do you. <laughs> Someone's got to be the, the positive guy in the room. Yeah. Uh, Jeff doesn't know this yet, teacher, but the only reason you're, I brought you on is to reaffirm my love of spring training baseball because uh, Jeff hates spring training baseball. So hopefully you're coming on to agree that uh, spring training baseball is awesome and there's lots wow. to watch this spring. Why? Why do you hate <laughs> spring training baseball? What's wrong with it, Jeff? 
I'm just not a fan of preseasons. Uh, this Justin loves to do this. Last year, he was when we had uh, Andre Dot on. He like was very quick to let him know I hate a spring training and b I didn't get into the World Baseball Classic, and then I got chastised on air about both of those things. I don't know. Spring training just never caught my attention. I I have some vague memories of watching like Sports Time Ohio as a kid and watching some clips when I was younger with my cousin. Um, but, and I was the person who got very excited for the, you know, the Athlon books and I would read those cover to cover multiple times. Uh, and that was like part of the spring training ritual. Now it's just like, I think the reason I don't like spring training is because I am so sick of what I call the Casey Kochman got LASIK surgery stories every year where <laughs> when you, you know, I've done 1100 episodes now I've done so many of these and every year it's, you know, Bobby Bradley's in the best shape of his life. It's Kevin Mitchell on a bike. I can just, I can keep pulling them out because people make such a big deal. And when you're like, this happens every year, uh, you know, I already have people getting mad. Like, you know, Jose has taken Devison under his, his wing. I'm like, don't you remember the Gabby Aria stories from a year ago? But like the, the same stories happen every year. We react to them. People get angry when I don't make a big enough deal about it or don't believe it's something. So I just kind of, I guess I've gotten jaded through experience. But yeah, spring training baseball, it's the time for like saccharine stories and stats okay. that people are going to overanalyze. Okay, and so you're not all buying into the, to... the Kyle Manzardo is Wade Boggs <laughs> narrative. You're not buying into that. You don't Listen, believe I... that. That's, that's your hitting coach that's saying that, not me. That's not me saying that. That's the Guardians hitting coach making those comps. <laughs> now, we don't know if it's because he's wearing a mustache, and Wade Boggs also famously had a had a mustache, so maybe it's just because of that. But I'm going to choose to believe Jeff and, and Justin that it was because he looked like him in the box. He looked like he was that good. He looked like the guy that's clearly going to prove himself to be one of the 26 best men on this team. So we're not going to do like an always sunny thing and think it's because of the Boggsian records and maybe there's some seedy underbelly in terms of the Wade Boggs comparison. Um, you know, I, no, I'm kidding. Mansardo, I was over the moon when they acquired him. I think I, at this point in time, I hope he makes the team. I think we're all kind of in agreement on that, uh, that it's kind of silly not to with what we've seen. Uh, one of our commenters thought it just because they're both degrees of gingers. But, uh, you know, all coaches get paid. They're, everyone's getting paid to be successful out there. So you have to just count that uh, everyone's doing their job and is going to do well. And, you know, it, it's fun to see the young players and then the super young players who excel. I do think there's some value in that. But uh, I'm not looking forward to, you know, I, I'm trying to think who's the guy who's going to play really well and people are going to overly invest in. I, that That should be. Uh, the FanDuel odds, like what player is going to be the uh, the overly invested in hits like 380 and a bunch of home runs. We solicited some opinions about spring training storylines and TJ, I'm most curious to see what you want to watch this spring because I feel like there actually is a reason to watch, but I want to quickly kind of take a look back at the offseason. If I had said over the offseason, Cleveland's not going to trade Shane Bieber and they're going to bring back Austin Hedges and probably their most significant upgrade is going to be turning Enel De Los Santos into one year of Scott Barlow. What would you have said if, if you would have known that was how the off season was going to play out? Oh, bring on the kids, bring <laughs> on the youngsters because you're going to be counting on them a lot. I mean, I, I feel like I got to that point in the off season where I, I was, I flipped and I, I didn't want them to do anything else because I had my biggest fear was they were bringing in another 
Eddie Rosario type, Carlos Gonzalez type to steal at bats from somebody that I just find infinitely more interesting in the outfield. Now they did bring in someone in the outfield to compete. That's not a clear upgrade might be an upgrade, but it's in center field and Estevan Florial, but he is infinitely more exciting than some veteran that's 32 years old trying to hold on. The, there was a time to to maybe pull the funds together and instead of making seven different moves, just taking all of that money into one big move to maybe fix your right field situation, they could have done that. They opted to bring back Austin Hedges, which, hey, from a leadership standpoint, I won't say that that's nothing. But I also know that that's your backup catcher that I hope you don't you don't see much more than just him joking around and maybe bringing out the best in people from just a personality standpoint. It's disappointing on on one hand because you you we've been looking at this outfield for years and years, and you would hope at some point they would fix that. And I I don't mean just put a bandaid over top of it. I mean legitimately fix it. And yet now that we're to the point that this offseason is over i do just want to see every young kid that's in this organization get their shot but here's the issue guys how do you decide what's the length of the leash for all of them and and, and including even at shortstop my nightmare scenario that i keep saying for the last couple of weeks is you're going to get adequate play from maybe shortstop maybe it's gabby aries what happens when brian rocchio is tearing things up at triple a and gabby aries is like a 95 WRC plus and playing great defense at shortstop. Do you decide, hey, adequate's not good enough. We want to see what we have in Rokio. How long is that leash? Because it, it makes it easy when I know that one guy is terrible, I just go to the next one. Or if he's great, that's the answer. But what happens when guys are just kind of fine? This Hasn't that been the problem with them for the last several years that they have so many players that are just sort of similar and so they don't get much run because you're quickly on to the next one Meanwhile, a couple of them gone elsewhere and ended up performing pretty decently. Some of them become top prospects, but that was, you know, a trade from the depths below. And oh, by the way, you have a rookie manager who you're sitting there saying, well, we don't know if this guy can play at the major league level or not, but it's going to be your job to find out in the first year. So good luck, Skip. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine being, I mean, I'm sure we always talked about the collaborative process between Tito and the front office, and I'm sure that won't change with the front office now, but it's like, that's a tough situation to come into. A, you're replacing a legend. B, we've got kind of a set roster. Like, there's really not a lot of stuff up in the air, but you don't really know if all these guys can play. Like, I can't imagine walking into a more strange situation for your first managerial job, especially when you, you were playing 13 months ago. Yeah, and as far as guys in the minor leagues deciding when you're going to move on from somebody, that's largely going to be out of the manager's hands. I, I mean, it will be a collaborative thing, but it's not as if, vote is going to be sitting there looking at his shortstop and thinking, I want to see the next guy and then making that move. No, that he might have some input on it, but he's just going to be filling out the lineup card based on the guys that are on the roster and he, whoever he thinks has the best shot to win. But vote in, in itself is also one of the most interesting parts of this spring training. This is our beginning of getting to know who this manager is for years. We, we knew exactly who Tito was. You could, you could draw it up. You knew who who was going to be playing every single day to the detriment sometimes of the lineup. And sometimes it worked in a positive direction because he would stick with guys and be patient with people. And it, it, it often worked in his favor as well. I don't know what Stephen, I don't know what a Stephen vote bullpen looks like. I don't know 
how he makes pitching changes. I don't know if he's willing to shift the lineup every single day. Tito didn't really like doing that. He liked penciling guys into a, a specific spot in the lineup every single day and not messing with that. Vote has already mentioned that he's not opposed to messing with the lineup on a daily basis. That's completely different. So There's so much about this spring training that I actually, sorry, Jeff, but I do find interesting because there are a number of, of different storylines that are equally exciting to follow. And it doesn't always mean that they're going to result in the positive outcome, but they're at least far more interesting than past spring trainings. That's for sure. We're going to talk about a lot of those storylines here in just a second. It's almost like TJ teed that up. It's almost like he hosts a podcast or has been on the radio. Like he's a professional. That's, that's so weird. I pretend. What a great guest. I pretend. All right. We'll get to all those in just a second. Before we get to all those guys, let me tell you, if you work in a business or even at home, backing up your data is super important, especially if you work in like public safety, or if you're working in the medical field, education, those are all places where ransomware is brutal. And I know this because I worked in cybersecurity during the day. Um, those attacks aren't slowing down and backing up your data is one of the most recommended things you can do. And with Backblaze, you can kind of fulfill the three, two, one backup role, three different backup types, two different media types, one offsite because you can back up your data with Backblaze physically and in the cloud. And if you ever lose your data or it's taken by ransomware, you can access it from anywhere in the world, or they can send you a hard drive within 30 days, or you can buy one and get your money back within 30 days as well. They have restored over 55 billion files for customers. So visit backblaze.com slash LockedInLB so they know where you came from, continue to support the show. And seriously, guys, back up your stuff. Maybe you're someone who spills coffee on your, your laptop, or maybe he gets hit by a foul ball in a press box somewhere. Um, everybody loses data at some point. You want to back that up. So get, do it with Backblaze. No risk-free trial at backblaze.com slash LockedMLB. And that gives you plenty of time to upload some files and download them. But seriously, backing up your stuff is super important, especially if you work in an industry where data is extremely Sensitive these days, backblaze.com slash LockdownLB. Sign up for a free trial and see why Backblaze is recommended by Inc. Magazine. Go to backblaze.com slash LockdownLB. Well, the most voted on storyline of the spring, of spring training, there's actually a reason to watch. Like, like you mentioned, it was with Tito. Things were always kind of set. You knew how things were going to go. And... You know, it wasn't the greatest offseason, and there's a lot of unknown, but unknown can be kind of good. It could be bad, but it could be kind of good. At least it gives you a reason to to tune in. That's why we still like live sports. But the shortstop battle was the one that people responded to most. That's what they're looking for. And I don't even know how to even watch that in spring training because, like, does anybody care if Gabby Arias hits a home runoff in Arizona, of all places, off of a guy who – you know, might be in double A next week. And who's getting the most at bats? Like, I don't even know how to judge that. Like, we all know that 30 or 40 spring training at bats doesn't mean absolutely anything, but I have no idea how they're going to go about deciding like who should get the first reps. It sounds like just because of where he's at in his timeline, Gabby Arias gets the first shot, but I have no idea how they're going to decide that. But I'm I'm interested to watch. I just would like to know what exactly do you look for to figure out right who it should be. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's something we're planning on talking about later this week as well. Yeah. If you're not just going to sort by OPS, the leaderboard at the end of spring and hand out the job that way, how do you do it? And, and even looking at Statcast data, which 
they, they do have at certain fields, that gives you a small glimpse of usually things you already knew about the player. It's just, okay, yeah, we still see he can hit the ball 108. Nothing has changed in the offseason. So I, I look at things like strikeouts. I look at things it, like walks. Those usually translate pretty well. Making sure a guy's picking up the ball and seeing it okay, that's that's always a nice thing. But like a guy like Gabriel Arias, what is he going to show me in walks and strikeouts? <laughs> I already know what type of hitter he is. And the other interesting thing, we think battle between Arias and Rokio, but it's not that simple because there's also a Tyler Freeman who, if you looked at projections, would say better things about what his offensive profile might look like coming up this year. That also impacts your platinum glove winning second baseman who would have to move to the other side of the infield more more likely than not if if Tyler Freeman were to get some more at-bats. And then... Beyond Tyler Freeman, you've got like five other guys that we might be seeing very soon. But, of course, Brito is another name that everyone is anxious to see. I can't wait to see him some in some spring action. But it doesn't stop there because it's not just two guys. It is basically half of the, the position player roster is impacted by this because if, if you don't, I would imagine they are going to pick one of Arias or Rocchio. But if you weren't going to go that direction, then you're shifting your second baseman over to make room for somebody at second base, which opens up other parts of your roster. And if Arias isn't your starting shortstop, then more than likely he's on your bench performing the role of being the super utility guy that's going to play a lot of different places. Well, that's taking an opportunity away from somebody else that could have maybe been in the outfield. Also, Floreal doesn't have any options left. I think they went out and got this guy because they want to give him a nice run in that outfield, right? And how are you going to do that? By keeping him on the team and letting him play. So it is so, that's what's crazy about it. There aren't many things up in the air, but they're so interconnected that a lot of players in spring training are going to be eagerly following this every single day because it's going to impact their jobs, even if they're not directly involved. Yeah, it does. It is interesting with all of the unknowns, how much is kind of set already. Yeah, you know, it's like Florio has to be here, or you're probably going to lose him if you he's not getting through waivers. Uh, you know, Devison, it's he's here or he's not. And I think you know, I have to go through. It's like Rokio, I believe, has options left, but everyone else is kind of stuck up here. So they, yeah, it, as you were commenting in uh, segment one, it's like you couldn't help but think about Ahmed is that guy who was just strictly average when they could have looked for more for years. And the problem, you know, it, he was, it was fine, right? He, it was fine. Uh, but the problem with sticking with just okay was now they, they don't know what they have and they got to evaluate on the fly. And the outfield has been a disaster pretty much my entire adult life. I always like to quote the highest war of any outfielder this organization has drafted since Manny Ramirez is Luke Scott, who never actually played here. And number two is still Ryan Church. I think Stephen Kwan is now up to three. But like that is how bad they've been at drafting and developing outfielders. And, you know, it, that's what kind of hurts so much. And again, I do want to point out for all the hype with Nolan Jones, he's not carrying a 400 bat pip next year. Like I, I, I've always been on that hype train. I was the highest rated player on Nolan Jones in his draft class. I had him as a top 15 player in that class. Um, I, I liked him all the way coming up, even when people were jumping off with his injuries. 
I think he's going to be a good player, but it's like, it's just, to me, that's the killer in the hurt right now. Right. It's, it's <laughs> that you had a guy who mm-hmm. listen, he's got warts, but he feels a lot of things they don't have. You're running the four. I'm laughing at the 400 Babip and course field is laughing at you. Like, all right, bet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if we can run that again. The, and, and the thing about Jones, he was the guy that should hurt the most. It didn't hurt as much to me because I really like Brito. And I like you. I think Jones overperformed a little bit this this previous year with Colorado. But again, it is Colorado, and like some crazy things happen in that ballpark. Maybe True. he just maybe his skill set works because it does elevate the BABIP, and we know he's going to hit for some power. So maybe that's just the perfect park for him, and it just works out beautifully. And I think at the end of the day, in that trade, both teams are going to end up have gotten what they wanted out of it because I believe in, in, in Brito being a, a good, solid player. But it doesn't make it hurt any less watching it this past year. And the, the, but the one that, that really hurts, isn't it Will Benson? Because they put so much work into getting him to that point. And it's, and it's not that any of us, when that trade went down, I don't know exactly how you guys felt about it. I, it was hurt, be, hurtful because... You kind of just wanted him to get that shot just to see out of curiosity's sake. But it wasn't going to happen here. So I didn't, I wasn't like screaming about it. It just kind of stunk at the time when they made that trade. But you put so much work into getting him to be that player that he unlocked this past year. And then to see him go to Cincinnati and be used the way that he should have been used. Well, that was also painful. Like, making sure that he's only featured against guys that he could have the most success against and playing him defensively in areas where he can excel, that, that one did hurt at the end of the day. And then the guy that you picked, Oscar Gonzalez, has now bounced around and the, he's been with the Yankees. And like just that all happened within one offseat, with one, within one calendar year. I, I, so I hope Brennan. I hope Brennan is able to rebound and and show us show us some of those hit tools that he demonstrated in the minor leagues because that would go a long way to helping put some of that pain to rest. But we'll see. Yeah, I think when that happened, I don't think I, I felt like it wasn't as much giving up Benson for Gonzalez. It was more of a belief in in Will Brennan. I'm not ready to say Will Brennan's not big league material. I I've believed in Will Brennan for a couple of years now, but. He definitely did things last year that he didn't do in the minors that were just were just kind of shocking. But now you're stuck wondering, like, you know, you've got Chase Delauder, you've got George Valera somewhere in there, and now you've got Florio and Dale Santos is going to play outfield. Now it's like, how are you going to get, like you said, how are you going to get all these guys enough at bats to figure out who you should stick with the longest? And unfortunately, because nobody ran with the job last year, and Nolan Jones or Will Benson could have you know, decided like they stuck claim to a role, like whether it was a platoon outfielder or an everyday outfielder, they could have had that solidified and have to worry about that. But of course they didn't trade one of the nine shortstops. So why would they trade one of their outfielders too? Cause this is like the fifth out off season. We've <laughs> talked about them trading a shortstop and it, it just hasn't happened. And I can't figure that out either. Well, I feel like my, my pet theory on that we talked about on the show is every team has been collecting shortstops. It's not just Cleveland. They just do it to the nth degree. And there isn't a big need for shortstops, whereas we spent this whole offseason with, I mean, a team like the Yankees that with all of their pieces in place from last season, we're like, we need two outfielders. And it's like, okay, like their fourth outfielder would have started for Cleveland and they're saying they need two more. It's like outfield became harder to find than a shortstop. 
And, you know, I, I was not, my view on the Benton situation was I didn't think he was going to get to play. Um, I felt like they're very high on Brennan. It felt like Oscar had an opportunity, even though I didn't think it was going to stick. And it was like, they needed a roster spot and I could at least understand why that trade was made. Um, yeah, I was I was always a doubter of his, but I should have never been because he was no one worked harder than Will Benson. And that was kind of his I mean, on top of physical tools, that was his superpower. And it's great to see what he's become because he's a great dude. But yeah, I just think that there's this weird world where shortstops don't carry the value they used to. Like what teams legitimately have that need? Well, you've got to have a great one for it yeah. to stand out. Like you have to have one of the top five to seven if if you do that, then yeah, that that's a difference maker. But there are so many athletic shortstop middle infield types that are hovering around league average bats. That's why Ahmed Rosario, you know, you can use Ahmed Rosario in a very specific way and get some very good value out of him. I think it, it, it kind of stunk that it, that didn't happen here because they weren't going to relegate him to being the versus lefty. And then maybe Arias is the versus righty to get a longer look at that, but also get the the benefit of playing Rosario against the lefties, but that that wasn't going to happen here. Well, when ends up at, he, he it's spring training is beginning, and he's finally locked into a a very small contract for even maybe what his skill set could be. And Tim Anderson, Tim Anderson was a star a couple of years ago. <laughs> On the field, embarrassment aside, I know he hasn't been the same player, but again. He's scuffling, trying to find any sort of job, finally does. So you're right. Shortstops, the average-ish shortstops are just not as much into because you can find so many of those. You can I can find anybody that can get close to that. Unless you're going to be Francisco Lindor, it's, it's tough. It is. Well, if you want to bet on Nolan Jones's BABIP in Colorado, I don't know if you can do that, but we'll talk about some bets you can make. Get your buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Uh, so if I pull up the MLB odds, uh, spring training does have odds. Uh, Cleveland is not listed in this one. But if you want to, if you're listening to this uh, the day after recording, the uh, the White Sox are plus 114. Uh, Kansas City is plus 106, plus 132 for San Diego, and plus 100 for Colorado. That might be one of the few times Colorado is, is favored this year. Uh, just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And uh, shoot your shot, hit your home run, strike out your batter, whatever analogy you prefer uh, or metaphor. I'm always bad at the difference between them, but uh, you get my point. FanDuel, official sportsbooks partner of the NBA and Major League Baseball. I am awful at betting, and I can't imagine how bad it would be to bet on a spring. <laughs> I feel like that's a sure sign you have a problem. Like, <laughs> Yeah, use FanDuel because they pay our bills. Please use FanDuel. But my goodness, I I can't think of any other way I would quickly flush away my. The only payment. the only people screaming in agony during the spring games it'll be people that put bets on them in the ninth inning as some teams scoring three runs right in the bottom frame. Everyone's like, please let me get out of here. And then the guy that bet on is like, no. And then of course the reporters, writers that have come down 
and they've been waiting, baking in the sun. Like, please let this game end so I can get on the field and interview the manager and get the hell out of town. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, the other, I, we had the rotation listed on here. We're going to run out of time to talk about it because uh, they're good. You know, I have, like them. <laughs> they're good. Move on. Yeah, there's a lot of volatility there, as we've talked about. And I think you guys have talked about uh, on the Sylvia's Guide. Ah, to hell too. with that. Best rotation <laughs> in the American League. Yeah, it down, it's right definitely now. best in the American League Central. I, I I think you could remove one arm and still be the best in the Central. Yikes. The bar is is the floor for the AL Central in all rotation. Things. In all things in the AL Central, the bar is the floor. Someone did put as their spring training storyline was how vote manages. And I'm like, there's probably nothing you can do from spring training in terms of what votes going to do to determine how he's going to be in the regular season. Cause this is so different. Like I, I'm sure people, you know, nobody's ever overreacted to the first line of spring training before that's never happened in Cleveland. So I'm sure nobody will overreact when he makes a decision in spring training. And you think that's how it's going to be in the year. We have no idea. And I don't, yeah. spring's not going to tell us that. It's all mapped out in spring training. It, it legitimately is mapped out. There's like a sheet with if guys know when they got to be, where they got to be. And there's a reason for that because veteran guys want to get the heck out of there and go play some golf. So they want to know when, when is my day over so I can get that tee time scheduled. But even during the regular season, this is something I asked Chris Antonetti too, and he didn't really answer it, which I was one, not surprised by, but two, also a little disappointed because I would like to get some more insight on this. So I'll ask you, do you guys think that the, the job of a first time manager is easier now compared to 15, 20 years ago, because so much, it is so much of a collaboration. And I think a lot has been taken off of the manager's plate. And there are a lot of other coaches there. And, and also the, the stigma of I'm the manager, so I've got to make all the decisions. I feel like that's kind of faded away and guys are more comfortable in their own skin to just say, no, I, I want input from my coaches who are paid to do these things. I, I feel like it might be a bit easier from an X's and O's, it's, it's not easier from a managing personality standpoint. That's the same, but from an X's and O's managerial standpoint, I'm wondering because we have so much data and that collaborative atmosphere, do you think that it's easier for a first time manager to step into that role and have success? As long as you're not on social media, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and then I also wonder like how many managers would say it's harder because you then have to interpret data, like how much of how many managers at the same time would be like, you know, uh, no, I just could manage with my gut. And now I have to, if I'm not reading this. Now I got to read a, a text every day and things like that. You know, there's, you know, it's, it's, I think kind of up to the manager and their style. I think, I think in some degrees, I think that collaboration part is huge that you're talking about and how many more coaches there are and the stratification of coaches should make the job and the chances to be successful easier. Um, I think, I think it's a tougher job. I think there's more to it than there's ever been in some regards, just in terms of like, you have to know so much. There's so much data always coming that, I mean, sure. we're not even privy to, but I think also just being able to rely on people around you and not it, taking some of the alpha male out of the manager and right. being like, that's, it's a team approach. I yeah. I think yeah. that can make it easier. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hard question. Um, it's a good question, but it's a hard one. Cause you, I can see a dozen different ways of, of going at that one. I could see certain things being easier. Maybe certain things are harder. The other thing too, and, and Justin, maybe you want to jump in on this guys. We're not talking about the guys that are 65 anymore, getting their first managerial job. Those guys are, are gradually retiring. 
guys that are in their late 30s, early 40s that are stepping into this role now, they've been part of data now for the last five years at least, and some maybe even more more than that. So, yeah, it's it's a lot more on their plate, but aren't they more comfortable with it because they've just grown up in it more than some of the guys that are in their late 50s, early 60s? Yeah, you're more relatable to today's player. I think that makes a big difference, too. I think that's why people are going with younger managers, too. It's the relatability because more of this job is communication than it is anything else. And I think we've learned that from Tito. So, I, I mean, we don't know how it's going to go, but communication is certainly a big piece of this. All right, before we get out of here real quick, we had one more storyline, and this is going to be a quick answer, but someone wanted to know. Someone was crazy enough to ask this. Who would win in a, in a battle between Kane Davis and Jason <laughs> Davis? We briefly talked about a a random story, wrestling storyline before the show. Somebody wanted to know who's going to win between Kane Davis and Jason Davis. I, I don't know. I guess Kane, because he has Kane in his name, but you can't convince well, me Jason me, uh, Davis. Take a drink a out prospect. of this mug here, you know. Let me just take a drink out of that nice little mug. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, go, Jason, this, I'll, go, <laughs> I'll go Jason Davis. That, Why do I, I think agreed. that? I don't, I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> I'm going to go Jason Davis. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement on that, or are, are we not? I think we all kind of in previous. I'm thinking thoughts. Kane Davis. He has oh, the okay. name Kane. Come on, I think I I got to give it to the the guy who's the wrestling. That's gotta be name. Kane. <laughs> uh, TJ, thanks for for coming on with us. Everybody, go listen to the Selmius guy. If you're listening to our podcast, you should already be listening to the Selmius oh, no, guy. Yeah, I, I, I I feel bad. There's like several people that are like, I don't listen to that show because of that idiot TJ, and now the one show I listen to. They had him on this show. I can't escape this dummy. I don't think we have any of those in our, our comments. Um, <laughs> no, but go subscribe to the YouTube page. Go join the Discord. Find him on Patreon. If you listen, if you somehow aren't listening already, do it now. And I uh, appreciate that. Again, thank you for joining us. Everyone remember to rate and review us. Go check out and follow the Selfies Godcast as well. And as we always say, go, go, Guardians, go.